Thanks for listening to the Community Bible Church Sermon Podcast. Pastor Dan Strutz here. Our desire is to connect people with Christ and community. For more info or to contact us, please visit cbcmountainlake.com. This is the first time for me to uh, give a message twice in one morning, and it's kind of an unusual uh, morning, but uh, I, I, I'm grateful to, to serve uh, Cornerstone. Uh, for many of you know, we, we, this, it's a church I feel like is very kindred to us. I, I think there, there, there's people there that uh, um, we, we love, we care for there, and uh, we are, are really, uh, I love them, their leadership, everything. So it's a, it's a cool thing to be able to, as I, I was this morning, give a message there and kind of partner with them and uh, just kind of connect uh, with them as as they're going through a time of saying, hey, well, God, what do you what do you want from us and what's next? So it's fun also because uh, we are, are working on a series um, about hospitality. Um, many of you know Micah Siebert. He actually will be here next week. And, and him and I are kind of collaborating on this five-week series about, uh, about hospitality. So we are, are calling it Welcome In, A Biblical Call to Hospitality. And you can see that on the, on the, on the screen, the, the picture of the place setting there. And, uh, and so we are, are going to talk about this and kind of flesh this out over a five-week journey, uh, kind of uh, some of it being repetitive, but some of it kind of div- diving into different angles of what I believe to be a very, very biblical topic that God wants us to press into to jump into and to journey with him on. So before I go any further, uh, this mess in this message, and before I read any of the texts, uh, I just want to pray and go before the Lord and ask him to guide my words and to guide our hearts, and that we can listen to him this morning. So let's pray. Father God, we thank you so much this morning that uh, we can come before you in this place and, and sing of how great you are. This morning, Lord, I, I just ask that uh, as we go through this journey, a, a real journey throughout your whole entire scripture, may we grasp how hospitable you have been to us. And we can be thankful in doing that. Lord, I pray for ears, hearts, minds as we sit and work through this moment. Envision with yourself, um, or let me step back. If I told you, other than the Bible, that one of the greatest kingdom-building tools, as I'm coming to understand it and, and see it, one of the greatest tools that we have for God's kingdom work and His purposes and, and, and growing people and growing His church and, and, and mis- being missional to the world 
is something that is in your house and is something that you sit at every day, would you believe me? I'm coming to this understanding that our dining room tables, and that's what I want us to kind of, I kind of want to think about this, at least this message, and, and really this whole series, coming about what happens at our dining room tables, and, and more so what happens in our house, what happens in our homes uh, as being the thing that God can use for great glory and for great good. Um, Suzanne and I, we, we, you know, we, we moved into our house a, a, about a year ago, and we realized that we had, we really needed a dining room table that fit the space. Uh, you know, you can go in and buy, buy furniture, and you can buy a TV stand or whatever, and it's really kind of like, well, just put the TV there. But for us, buying a dining room table became a very important piece because that wasn't just where you would uh, kind of serve a meal. It's where you invite people to. Uh, at Susanna's house back home, her parents, I, I, I w- I'm in awe of this every time I see it happen. Her, her parents have a dining room table that has more leaves than you can count on your fingers. Literally, it expands out to be like 22 feet long. It is crazy long, and that is a crazy meal that when you have it expanded, it is just, it's, it's amazing to see, really. Those dining room tables become a place that for us in our home, we say, we want to invite people in. We want to have people at this table and welcome them there. Much more, we have things that happen at a dining room table like birthdays. We celebrate birthdays and, and, and come around those tables, and, and, and as well, we have difficult conversations. Some of us have our devotions at our table. We, we drink our coffee. We read the newspaper. There's all sorts of things that happen at this table, right? Many of you have had you at our tables and have gotten to know you and some conversations that have just really blossomed into things that uh, I, I didn't know that I would learn about you. And it, it's really, really cool to see conversations happen at our tables. We have three meals a day, 21 meals a week. Obviously, we don't all do those at our tables, but that's opportunities for us to gather around that space. And, and in our home, something that I've been journeying in and thinking about is how even our table, this table, this thing that we see, how it becomes a, a piece of, of, of uh, not just a piece of furniture, but really almost a holy space that God can use. So as you're thinking about your dining room table, as you picture that, I want to frame that this message to say, can God use that for his goodness, for his act of biblical hospitality? The idea of this series came, one, because it's some stuff that God's been working on my heart. Uh, he's been working on other people's hearts that I know I've talked to. It's been a thing that I, I've seen in our community that we can grow in, that we can continue to learn from, that we can continue to, to care for each other in our church by welcoming people in. And then also our neighbors, I, I would even challenge that what we should be doing rather than inviting people to church is we should be first inviting them to our tables and having fellowship with them there. I think that that would be an extremely missional, gospel-centered thing to do. As we think about welcome in, a biblical call to hospitality, I want to start us off by reading three texts. And they're going to be really short, quick texts. Uh, you can join me there if you want, but I'm going to be flipping through these pretty quick. We'll see. 
This is where the, we see the word come up, hospitality, three times in these three different verses. First off, the Apostle Paul, he says in Romans chapter 12, verse 13, after he's talked about being a living sacrifice, and we'll talk about this verse in a couple weeks, he says, contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. We should seek it. We should desire to do it. Likewise, Peter, speaking to a church in 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 9, he says this, Show hospitality to one another. And here's a kicker. Without grumbling. He gives us how do we should do it. Next week we'll look at this passage from Hebrews 13. Michael will come and preach on some of this, this message. Hebrews 13 verses 1 and 2. Let brotherly love continue. Do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers. For thereby some have entertained angels unawares. Three verses where we are called to hospitality. Paul, Peter, and the writer of Hebrews, they all mention this. We could also add that it's a call for the leaders in the church to be hospitable. First Timothy. These verses all speak to something that we are called to do. And the question is, is this just an arbitrary law, a, another thing that God adds to our, our Christian to-do list that we say, okay, I invite someone over for dinner and I can tick the box, I was hospitable, done, been there, done that. Or is there something more here that says, I want to be this pervasive love for strangers? It's all over the place. God is welcoming in people. And I think we call this to hospitality because we He's trying to speak about something about his personality. Because if you take nothing away from this, other than what I'm about to say, I want us to trust and believe and start to meditate on the idea that our God is a hospitable God. He is a welcoming God. And this message this morning is titled, God Welcomes Us to Dine with Him. Not only does He welcome us into His family, but He welcomes us to His dining room table, the place that we see in our living room, as, or in our kitchen rather, as our dining room table, God welcomes us into his home and to a meal with him, and we see that throughout the scriptures, and that's what I want to take us on a journey on this morning. God welcomes us into his dining room table, and I think that, that that's part of the reason why I believe that welcoming people to our dining room table is such a huge deal. Before we go there, though, we have to consider a couple things. Many of you in your mind are, are thinking the term hospitality, and I don't know where your mind goes, uh, but I'm guessing that some of you are, are thinking about the, the entertainment industry. You go to a hotel, and they are all about hospitality, or you go to my favorite restaurant, Chick-fil-A, and they're all about hospitality, or if you go to uh, 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 an entertainment uh, entertainment park like, like when I worked, yes, I worked at summer. Uh, I didn't drink Dalton's. I served churros. Um, we were all about hospitality. Giving to those who had paid big money to enter into the park. They had given and paid something and there was a return. 
There was kind of a, a partnership, a, a mutual giving and taking in this in, in this mutual relationship. Or, I, I think for many of us, we'll, we will also think of hospitality in terms of inviting family over for Christmas or our friends over for holidays. This idea of, of inviting people we know into a relationship, which underneath it really kind of has this reciprocal action that I invite you in and you invite me in because we have the same last name or, or because we have to. Entertaining becomes this idea of hospitality where we put on the show, we put on the best meal we possibly can. we got to make sure the house is spick and span. We pull out the Martha Stewart magazines and we read through them and we find out how we can be more and more hospitable. But is that really what biblical hospitality is? I have a definition here. The definition is a working definition. There might be some things you like about it. There might be some things you don't like about it. There might be some things that are confusing. But this is the definition that I've worked on and I've kind of consulted a couple others and just said, hey, what do you think about this? And it's kind of the definition that we're using as, a, as one throughout the series of how we're going to define biblical hospitality. And I want to read it. It says, hospitality is the critical and consistent act of welcoming strangers to become family by offering what is most needed out of that which God has given us. Again, it's the critical and consistent act of welcoming strangers to become family by offering what is most needed that which God has given us. Some of the words in there, critical. It's this need. It's something that we have to do. It's an interesting idea that, that hospitality and hospital come from the same root word, the same idea of housing in. And, and we see in, in hospitals, it's like, that's necessary. we got to house these people who are sick. There's a critical aspect to that. It's urgent. It's needed. And it's needed part of our discipleship. It's consistent something that we don't just do on an occasional basis. It should be part of a lifestyle, something we're taking on and, and doing all the time, thinking, how can I welcome others in? It's an action. It's active. It's not passive. It's not waiting for people to show up at our door. and It's, it's showing up and saying, I'm going to go find those who are in need. We're doing it to strangers. The Bible also uses aliens, sojourners others, those who are foreigners to us, or people that they're, they're strange to us, right? Some of you here, that you're younger, and you look at older people as strangers, or, or vice versa, or someone who comes from a different background to you is a stranger. There are things about them, their story, their upbringing, those things that you don't know about, and so they would be classified as a stranger. You're willing to offer to them uh, material things, time, uh, a meal, welcome them to your table. You're offering them open-handedly what you have, what God has given to you, which is to suggest that God gives us all that we have, and we are to be stewards of what He's given us. And we're giving where there's a need. For some people uh, in our day, it doesn't quite look like the Bible times. In, in biblical times, the need that were most important that we see in this topic of hospitality is food and clothing and lodging. For those who were traveling uh, to and fro, they would need a house for the evening, a meal, to make sure they were warm. I think now in our time, we won't flush this out in a couple weeks. Most importantly, I think people just need our time to 
listen with an ear and maybe relationship. This definition that you see on the screen, it, it's, again, it's not perfect, but I think it starts to grasp what God has called us to do. Not because he wants us to do it, not because he wants us to just check a box, but because it is built out of God's character. And that's what I want to take us through this morning. That God is a hospitable God that welcomes us in. And, and much more than that, the gospel, the good news, is that He has done that. The gospel is not, I think we mess this up when we think the gospel is God getting us out of hell. And we forget the part that God welcomes us into a better reality. God welcomes us into His, his home, His family, into having a meal with Him. That is good news. And so, we need to see this as God's hospitality is part of uh, the gospel message for us. So I want to journey over the next handful of minutes through a bunch of passages. I, normally, I, I spend time in one passage. This is going to be a little bit different. And I, and I pray that you can buckle up and you don't get biblical whiplash with these two week stories. But I want to trace really uh, some of the picture and some of the places that we see this through the scriptures. Starting with Genesis. Genesis 1, if you open there, we know the story of creation. We know in the beginning God created, and we see Him create the heavens and the earth, and we, we see Him create the water, and we see Him create the plants and the animals and everything, and He says, it's good, it's good, it's good. And we think, oh, He's creating the world. But really what He's creating there is a home. He's creating the dwelling place for man. But again, it's not man's house that he is that, God, that man built. It's actually God's dwelling place. He describes this place as his footstool. This is his home. He reigns over it. He has domain. He is the king of his castle, the world. And we need to see that he welcomes us in. Look at verse 26. Then God said, let us make man in our image, after our likeness, and let, us, let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the heaven, and over the livestock, and over the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps in the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him, male and female. He created them. And God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful, multiply, and fill the earth and subdue it, and have dominion over the fish and of the sea, and over the birds of the heaven, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. This is the verse that I want you to hang on. 29. And God said, Behold, I have given you every plant yielding seed, that is on the face of all the earth, and every tree with seed uh, in its fruit, you shall have them for food. God creates a house. He creates a space, an environment for us to live in. He creates the Garden of Eden, and it's wonderful. And He puts man in there, Adam and Eve, and He says, Welcome to my house. Welcome in. Make yourself at home. Uh, be family. Be fruitful. Fill up this house with your people. And then he says, all the trees, all the plants, all, all the pomegranates, all, all the oranges, all the Brussels sprouts, but maybe not that. You can have them. Feast on them. Eat, delight, enjoy. Welcome to my table. The garden starts off with a feast. God giving everything for the people. Of course, we know that sin 
enters in. Instead of instead of the feast that God had prepared for them, he, they took the one thing uh, that they couldn't have, the, the happy meal, the, the apple of the tree, and they took it, ate, and they disobeyed God. Get one house of it. Don't eat of that tree. That's mine. Sin enters in, and uh, he ends up kicking them out of the garden, which it seems anti-hospitality, but really what it is is God protecting them because if, he, if they would have stayed in his presence, he is so holy they would have been destroyed. He's actually doing a good thing because from there on, he's going to say, okay, I need us to get back to this place where we can be fellowshipping in my creation purely without uh, any hindrance. I want to get back and welcome you back into my home without any problems. And that's where the scriptures end, right? Flip over to Revelation 19. The story of the new heavens and the earth is coming. And before it, we have this marriage supper of the Lamb that will usher in this new creation. And there we hear John. He gets his vision and it says in Revelation. Then I heard what seemed to be the voice of a great multitude, like a roar of many waters, like the sound of the mighty pearls of thunder, crying out, Hallelujah, for the Lord our God is the Almighty reigns. Let us rejoice and exult and give Him glory. For the marriage of the Lamb has come, and His bride has been made, has made herself ready. It is, was granted her to clothe herself with fine linen, white and pure. For the fine linen uh, of the righteous deeds of the saints. And the angel said, Write this. Blessed are those who are invited into the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he said to me, These are true words of God. And I fell down and worshipped at the feet of him. But he said to me, You must not do that. I am a fellow servant with you and, you, and your brother for, for who holds this, the testimony of Jesus. Worship God. This idea at the end of our scriptures, from beginning to end, is God is going back to say, I want to invite my people back in. I want to make strangers into my bride. I want to welcome them into my home. I, I want to have a meal with them. I want to dine with them again. That's the arc. That's the, the whole storyline of the scriptures. So how does God get back to that? We know that from Genesis 1 until Genesis 11, the, the, the world kind of spirals out of control. It keeps going downhill. And in Genesis 12... God uh, takes a stranger named Abraham, one man who has really nothing to offer to God. He's a faithful man, but, but he has nothing else to God, get God. And God says, welcome to my family. I'm going to make you my, my, my son. I'm going to bring you into my family. I'm going to give you blessing. And in chapter 12, he says, I'm going to give you a land, a place, a people. I'm going to give you tons of blessing. I'm going to welcome you into my home. Abraham's welcomed in, and, and we know that Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, the family keeps growing and growing. But where do they end up? They end up in Egypt, right? In Egypt, they end up in slavery. They end up with a, a taskmaster. They're in a place of foreign gods, far from God. They're distant from where God wants them to be, back in the promised land. And we have this guy named Moses show up, Genesis, uh, or Exodus 3. Exodus 3, 1 through 12, is the story of the burning bush. Moses is out there, and, and he turns to see what God has. And in verse 7, God shows up, this hospitable God. He shows up with Moses proactively, and he says, I have seen the afflictions of my people who are in Egypt, and have heard their cry 
because of their taskmaster, I know their suffering. I have come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them into the land. And this is where I want us to focus in on a land to a good and broad land. But a land pitiless at times, flowing with milk and honey. This is a land of feasting, and he wants to bring God's people back to it. He goes on, verse 9, And now, behold, the cry of the people of Israel has come to me. I have seen. I have also seen the oppression of that which the Egyptians oppressed them. Come, I will send you to Pharaoh that you may bring my people, that you may bring them, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. And so we see this story of slaves, people that are, are in a foreign land. They are in a place, and I would even suggest that what we see in the Exodus text, they're probably even worshiping other gods. They're worshiping. They're not offering God worship. And God has, he decides, I hear them, I hear their cry, and I'm going to bring them out. And I'm going to bring them to a place. And I'm going to give them abundance, welcoming them to my home. It's interesting, you can note this verse down. We won't turn there, but in Leviticus 25, later as they're getting the law, what's interesting is God there says that the land that they're coming to the land, the promised land of land of milk and honey, it's not going to be their land. They're not going to own it. God says, this is my land. They're just stewards. They're just tenants that are being welcomed into God's land of milk and honey. It's not theirs. It's God's dwelling place that he's going to welcome them into. Of course, we know how did they get out of this, out of Egypt? Through a meal. As God uh, is about to bring them out, he welcomes them indoors as, as death and, 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 and the, the need of being rescued from the cloud of death that's passing by outside as the Egyptians are dealing with that. God welcomes them into a house for what? A meal. God has shown them, set the menu, a lamb, eat it, feast on it, eat all of it. We don't think of that as a positive feast, but God is welcoming them in so that he can bring them out. Yes, it's full of, of fruit. It's full of milk and honey as God has promised. And yet they fear it. They turn and they don't trust. God is offering hospitality and they reject that hospitality. It ends up wiping out a generation as they wander in the desert for a long time. Eventually they do get in. This is again, this is just a journey through the text to say that eventually God's people, they do get in under Joshua and they start to settle the land. And they, they expand and they take over this land that belongs to God. And they start to set up a kingdom. And, and eventually they have kings like David and Solomon. They build a temple for him. God says, build me this home. And, and, and they build a house for God. And he shows up. And then what happens after that? They feast. There's this relationship. When God shows up in his home, they have a great celebration. as we're looking at David, this idea of hospitality. God, uh, David got this. He knew it wasn't just about the physical land, but it was about dwelling with God. We know Psalm 23, right? It uh, says what we can probably all say together, that the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures and leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his namesake. Shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you 
illness, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. That's the part that we remember about suffering. And we sometimes that we buy, we'll kind of lop off verse 5 and 6, which I think David is getting at God's hospitality here. You, God, you prepare a table before me at the feast. In the presence of my enemies, you anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely the goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. This God is a God that has welcomed him in. He is saying, I want you to dine with me. That is what we should desire. And God says, I'm offering that to you. We journeyed through Isaiah recently, and I won't pull up the text there, but in the midst of God uh, uh, judging them because they had, again, they rebelled, they had gone after other gods, after other idols. God is saying, I'm going to boot you from the land. I'm going to judge and, and send you away to Babylon. But at the same time, in the midst of that, he's saying, I am going to welcome you back. He starts to promise a servant who would come, uh, G, uh, the Messiah who would come, we know him to be Jesus, that will bring you back and, and give you uh, a meal. He will welcome you into relationship again. And then we see Jesus show up on the scene. Jesus shows up, and, and throughout the Gospels, we see Jesus offering him what? Eating with sinners. Welcoming in those who have nothing to offer, those who the world won't accept, sinners, tax collectors, and we'll look at that in a couple weeks. He's welcoming them in. He's welcoming people to him, whether they're young or old, children, whether they're sick, rich, poor. He's welcoming them in and saying, come. One particular place. The only miracle that comes in all the Gospels, all four of the Gospels, is the feeding of the 5,000. It is truly a, a story about Jesus being hospitable. With me at Matthew 14, 13 through 21. It says, Jesus heard this. He withdrew from there in a boat to the desolate place. So he's out in the wilderness by himself. But when the crowds heard it, they followed him on foot from the towns. When he went ashore, he saw a great crowd, and he had compassion on them. Mark adds this we like sheep without a shepherd. It says, and he healed their the sick. Now when it was evening, the disciples came to him and said, this is a desolate place and, and, and the day has now over. Send the crowds away to the villages to buy food and forgiveness and uh, food for themselves. What the disciples are doing there is, is, is they're saying, Jesus, there's all these people here. It's not safe to be out at night. There's no food here. There's no lodging. Uh, this is not a day. Send them back to the villages. They're being anti-hospitable. Jesus says, no, welcome them in. Jesus said, uh, they need not go away. You give them something to eat. They said to him, we only have five loaves here and two fish. And he says, bring them here to me. And he ordered the crowds to sit down on the grass. And taking the five loaves and two fish, he looked up at heaven and said a blessing then he broke the loaves and gave them to the disciples, and the disciples gave them to the crowd. Let me just be thankful. God gives us the food to pass on to others. Let's talk about that a little bit later. So he says, and they ate and 
satisfied. Jesus gives a meal, and it wasn't some small little snack. It wasn't some breadcrumbs, a little morsel to get us by. It says they were satisfied out in the wilderness. Jesus invited them in. He was hospitable to their needs. He welcomed them what they had need for, and they were full off this feast. Just to pick the 12 baskets full, broken pieces were filled. Those who ate were about 5,000 besides women and children. There was this giant feast in a desert place. Jesus said, I am the one that welcomes them in. I'm the one that's going to take care of them this time. They physically, but much more he knew that they were spiritual. They spiritually needed him. And ultimately, that's where it's going as they as he goes to the cross. He's going to welcome them into his family by going and being a servant, by laying down his life, by giving us what we need most. His life. God's son. From this, I, I, I want to pull out quickly six principles that we can see about hospitality. And these really frame our God who is hospitable in our text that I've kind of journeyed through. As I studied all these things, there were kind of six big things that came out. God welcomes us first. He welcomes strangers, us, to become family. He takes those who are sinners, who who are distant from him, who are far off, and he says, come, and, and not only just come into my house, but I will call you children, I will call you my bride, I will call you family. God welcomes us from strangers to become family. Not only that, but God welcomes us proactively. He doesn't wait around for us to sit there and knock on the door and say, Jesus, can you let me in? No, he says, I go, I welcome you in, I'm going to do what you need to to meet your need and bring you into my house. He's proactive, he doesn't wait. Thirdly, God welcomes us with nothing offered. That's the storyline of the scriptures. Adam and Eve in the garden. They didn't have anything to offer him. Why? Because God created them. Uh, Abraham was out in, in the world. He, he didn't have anything to offer, but he, 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 God chose him. Uh, the Israelites, uh, they, they had nothing to offer as they, as they were slaves, and he brought them in, and he brought them out and brought them into a land. God welcomes in those who have nothing to offer. And as we look at our relationship with God in our sin, in our, in our brokenness, we have nothing to offer God. To come to him. And he welcomes us in. Fourthly, God welcomes us even though we may reject him. All the stories, the storyline of the Bible is God is offering hospitality and welcoming us in. In the garden, they rejected Israel. They rejected the people of Jesus' own day. They rejected him and killed him. God knows this gospel. He welcomes us in, but sometimes as he's open-handed saying, here it is. Take my gift. People would say, no thank you. Try to do it on your own. Fifth, he welcomes us by fulfilling our greatest need. Ultimately, that's the story of the gospel. It, 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 hospitality defined in the Bible is, is, is a meal. It's lodging. It's clothing. It's that which is most needed. But God knows greater than that, greater than some earthly meal or, or some clothing to wear to keep me warm. What we ultimately need is what we missed when we broke fellowship with Him. What we were created to do in the garden was to have a relationship with Him. God welcomes us in, or our greatest need is, in our sin, 
He offers an offering for us. He offers a sacrifice to bring us righteousness so we can come back into His presence. He helps us by filling us with Him in our greatest need. Finally, He welcomes us with open abundance. God doesn't hold back when He gives. He, he gives out of the fact that He has tons and tons to give, and He doesn't uh, reserve anything. He says, welcome my house. It's all for you. He welcomes us with abundance. And if you've been writing those things down, or if you want the, the list of those things, I'd be more than happy to give those to you again. But really what is going on as you look at these six items is that is what we find in our definition. This definition that we've built, this hospitality that's critical and consistent. It's an act of welcoming strangers to become family by offering what is most needed of that which is God has given us. Now, God didn't need to give himself anything. He just had. But this definition that I've called us for as Christians, we are doing this based off of what God has done for us, him being the hospitable one. Bible ends with a, 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 a meal in the garden. It's going to end with uh, a new creation, a meal. But in, por- in the middle, there is this important meal that we know when we take it, that we don't deserve it. And, and Jesus says to his friends there, be reminded, Judas is at the table who will reject him. Peter will deny him shortly thereafter. He welcomes them to this table. And he says this, now as they were eating, Jesus took bread blessing it, he gave thanks, he gave it to the disciples and said, take, eat, this is my body. He took the cup and when he was given thanks, he gave it to them saying, drink of it, all of you, uh, for at, this is my blood of the covenant which has been poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. I tell you, I will not drink again of this fruit of the vine until the day when I drink anew with As I am giving you what you need most, which is the forgiveness of sins, I, you need to be restored. And, and I give you this meal, uh, knowing that I'm going to the cross, knowing what's ahead, and, and I want to give it to you so that you can drink again with me for all eternity. Again, we know we don't deserve to have that meal. We'll celebrate it next week, right? We don't deserve that. this message of, of welcoming Him and, and God, uh, God welcoming us to eat with Him. What I want us to see is as we enter into this, this five-week look at hospitality, why should we do this? The important thing to see is that it's not just a to-do list. It's not a moral, we are a better person because of this. What we need to see is that we want to welcome people in because God welcomes us week, the, the hope is, is that we reflect in our hearts, God, for welcoming me. Thank you, Lord, for doing that. Thank you for wanting me to be at your table with you. Thank you, Lord, for just 
thinking of me when I had nothing to offer you. This morning as we turn to prayer, as in moments we will sing about Christ, we are reminded of what He is. We're reminded of who He is. And the importance of what He's done. And we will no longer stand in awe. And now I speak nothing more but what alone you can do. Father God, we thank you so much. We thank you so much that you didn't leave us outside in the cold. You brought us in to live in. We thank you, Lord, that you uh, didn't leave us without a meal, but you give us you, the bread of life, and, and you will give us a meal for eternity as we feast with you. Take us home until you.